welcome back fellow paranormal aficionados this is haunted 518 so to get started today i am drinking it is labat blue light tart seltzer and i got it in this four pack and there's several flavors but the flavor i'm drinking is guava and i actually recently in the middle of april in upstate new york swam in a pool and um brought this pack over because i grabbed something quick on my way over and they were really delicious they weren't as tart as you thought they'd be so it is so good um I will probably spotlight the other flavors on future episodes as well, but definitely a light, uh, great, delicious tasting seltzer. So we're going to start off with an article from onlyinyourstate.com that really sums up why we're talking about what we are today. So not many people know the story behind New York's forgotten bath town. So although there is some paranormal stuff we're going to be talking about today, the fact that this was just an abandoned town and the history of it really fascinated me, especially coming from Saratoga Springs, which is known, you know, as a bath town. And so I thought this was too good to pass up. I actually, in my research, almost skipped right over it thinking there can't be much there. So we're going to start off by talking about um, the forgotten bath town and then get into some really cool paranormal things that happen in the area also. So when the topic of abandoned towns gets brought up, most of the time people's natural instinct is to visualize western ghost towns, but as history will tell us, the Empire State is home to quite a few forgotten villages, some of which have even been sunken underwater, which we covered in the North Creek episode, so if you want to learn more about that, I won't give you any more details, go back and check out our North Creek episode. Just an hour west of Albany, in Schoharie County, there's a small town that for quite some time appeared to be on its way to becoming our next deserted destination that would be lost with time. So, are you ready to hear about the bath town that once gave Saratoga Springs a run for its money? So, around the mid-1800s, the village of Sharon Springs began to attract visitors from all over the state. The charming town featured four mineral springs that were known for their healing powers. If any of this sounds familiar, familiar, it's most likely because you've recently read about New York's Fountains of Youth up in Saratoga. During the era of these towns' developments, their similar natural attractions had them competing against each other for attention of visitors. Even though Sharon Springs was known for having better quality water, ultimately Saratoga Springs became the most popular destination. Saratoga's closer proximity to the capital region was seen as being more ideal alongside the fact that the New York State route thruway was eventually built. The thruway's route led travelers away from Sharon Springs, making it nearly impossible to stumble upon unless you knew to look for it. Now the city of Saratoga has become a booming area, still attracting people from all over to come and bottle up this magical water. Sharon Springs has long been considered to be one of the Empire State's best spa and resorts town, and today those passing through Sharon Springs often think the area has been completely abandoned. Today the village has a population of roughly 600 residents, and I want to go back because we're going to talk about this a little bit more. Um, This article was written in 2017, so stay tuned for an update on all of this, but I'm going to go ahead and read it as if it's 2017 for now. 
Having a population in 2017 of roughly 600 residents, an area that's always maintained a small town feel. Besides being known for its abandoned structures, Sharon Springs gathers groups of friendly faces all throughout the year with festivals like their Victorian holiday celebration, harvest festival, and garden party. Sharon Springs drew in famous guests like Oscar Wilde and the Vanderbilt family, and neglected buildings like the Hotel Adler used to be desirable weekend getaways for these people. During the mid-1800s, a series of hotels were built in town, set out to accommodate those who were interested in seeking out the mineral springs for medical treatment. Just like our springs in Saratoga, the water here in town has said to have healing powers and medical benefits. Sadly, after World War I, using the water for treatment became a less enticing idea. It was around this time when Sharon Springs would begin its steady decline, slowly becoming more abandoned by the minute. In its prime, Sharon Springs featured elegant temples that surrounded the mineral springs in town. Now left to rust away, the cast iron work of art known as the Magnesia Temple used to be one of the town's main attractions. The water at this temple is, was said to be beneficial, acting as an antacid when consumed in smaller amounts. Today, the mineral spring sits inactive in town, just one of the many forgotten places of local history. And right about now, you're probably wishing someone would come along and save this abandoned treasure. Well, luckily, restorations throughout the town are currently in the works. Back in 2004, a Korean company by the name of Sharon Springs, Inc. purchased the Imperial Bathhouse, Hotel Adler, and Hotel Columbia in town. Over 10 years later, plans for renovations have finally been finalized. Built in 1927 on Main Street, Imperial Bath is the first of the three purchased properties that will undergo renovations. Devoting over $9 million into renovating the bathhouse, construction on this historic location has finally begun. Once the old Imperial Bath Spa is completed, renovations on Hotel Adler and Hotel Columbia will begin. Hotel Adler has been left to fight against time since 2004, becoming a popular place for curious urban explorers to come in and peek inside. The hotel looks eerily similar to how it did when it was up and running, with phones still hooked up to its 150 hotel rooms and bedding still set up like the place is still expecting guests to arrive any minute. With investors and enthusiastic residents that are determined to bring the town's history back to life, Sharon Springs is well on its way to becoming a sought-after destination once again. Today in Sharon Springs, you'll find shops and businesses run by people who are in love with the town, constantly working to maintain the history and inviting the character. Places like the American Hotel have already been renovated in recent years, bringing out-of-town visitors to the area once again. With no specific details on when we should expect the renovations on the Imperial Bath to be completed, all we could do is anxiously sit back and wait and watch the revival of this abandoned town unfold before our eyes. So, fascinating, that's written in 2017. And then the second article written in 2017 goes over um, a much more detailed uh, version of how these renovations are potentially taking place. So this article from medium.com written in October of 2017 is called Ghost Hotels, Healing Waters and a Lucky $20,000, The Resilience of Sharon Springs. By his mid-30s, Doug Plummer had given up on acting in Manhattan. 
In the spare afternoon hours that he had once spent chasing auditions, he now sat on the stoop of an abandoned brick building in the middle of upstate New York and stared across the street at an abandoned wooden one. I want to save you, but you have to show me how. You have to help me, he said, taking a coin out of his pocket and throwing it up onto its second floor porch. Plummer and his husband, Garth Roberts, had first spotted the building in 2000. They were in the car on their way to buy a run-down dairy farm, which they planned to transform into their weekend home, when they stopped to look over the dilapidated structure. As soon as Plummer saw it, to his own surprise, he was enamored. I really am the idiot that can stand in front of a supermarket shelf with 16 different kinds of peanut butter and have... A, almost a breakdown because I can't decide, Plummer says of himself, but as soon as he saw the American Hotel, he knew he would someday save it. Three years later, Doug and Garth have moved to Sharon Springs full-time. They opened a cafe called The Rockville. Doug began his coin-throwing ritual, ritual, and one day the American Hotel showed Doug how, or rather when, to save her. Her, because that is how he refers to the hotel in female pronouns, like a ship. Friends came to Doug and Garth and told them that the floors of the hotel were visibly dropping from moisture and decomposition, and the couple knew that they needed to do something. Doug and Garth went home that night from the cafe, and Garth pulled out a yellow legal pad. He, draw, he drew a line down the middle. One column read pros at the top, the other read cons. When the lists were complete, the cons side ran for two entire pages. The pros side contained two items, save the building and two, because Doug wants it. We couldn't find any really good realistic reason to save this building, Doug said. Other than that, I said, if we can't save it, then we have to move. To that, Garth replied, okay, well, I guess the answer is right there. They asked their parents to loan them the $18,000 that the Californian was asking for the building. Though their parents thought they were crazy, they lent it. Doug and Garth make up almost the exact couple one would expect not to find in central New York. For one, they are both men. Secondly, they are both exceedingly attractive in physique and in nature. They are warm, bubbly, and charming and talkative. Every evening, they both play host to the 10th degree in the dining room of the American Hotel, which they have outfitted to be the coziest place one could conjure up on a dark and gloomy upstate winter's night. The, mo the most amiable on a breezy upstate summer's. They are stylish. Yes, that is perhaps the most unlikely aspect of all for the region in which they planted themselves, where Walmart is the only retail store within an hour's drive. At that point in 2003, when Doug and Garth made their crazy purchase, Sharon Springs looked like a ghost town. When we got here, Doug said, Sharon Springs was completely decrepit. It looked like some kind of weird bomb or plague had happened because there were all these buildings, but no people. The American Hotel was just one of a number of enormous abandoned structures that jutted up from Main Street. The immense Roseboro Hotel and Adler Hotel sat along the road, rotting and boarded up, and many smaller hotels existed in similar states of a dilapidation on side streets. These had once been filled each summer with guests. In Sharon Springs' heyday, people had come from all over the country and even outside of the country, from France, Spain, Cuba, and Mexico, according to one historian, to use its sulfur springs. It was a town that began flourishing around the 1840s and especially in the years following the Civil War. Spas had become popular in Europe and upstate New York has decided to follow suit and develop its mineral springs. The term hydrotherapy was a popular one. 
And as it was somewhat fashionable to be sick in this era, people flocked to pleasant places where they could take the waters and recuperate. In 1836, John Gardner began the construction of the Pavilion Hotel, which became Sharon Springs' gathering place for the wealthy. The Roosevelts and the Vanderbilts came to stay, as did President Ulysses S. Grant. Oscar Wilde led a reading one summer on the hotel's famous colonnaded porch. Each summer, the streets of Sharon Springs teemed with activity, with music swelling out from each of the hotel's dining rooms. The New York Times began sending a Society Pages correspondent to Sharon Springs every summer to report back on its happenings. It was, in retrospect, an iconic place of leisure, one that was admittedly a tad scrappy in reality. Sharon's mineral waters had always drawn people to them, beginning with, and according to local legend, Native Americans who had gathered there to use the waters medicinally before colonizers had settled it. Next, in the early 1700s, it drew Palatinites and Dutch settlers in search of new and better lives who traded with the Mohawk Indian tribes. Because the town of Sharon was located at the crossroads of two major turnpikes, it was at the center of much of the area's activity. People came there to purchase goods at the general store and many businesses, hotels and taverns sprang up along the turnpikes close by. In the 1820s and 30s, Sharon Springs' economy was flourishing for other reasons. Central New York was the primary going region for hops at the time, and Sharon Springs was full of participants in the hop production. By 1870, there was a railroad access to the town. It was a lucky town in this way. Visitors who didn't have the time to travel all the way to Europe could easily access it, and many New Yorkers took advantage of that. Despite the area's increased access and growth, however, Sharon Springs' heyday didn't last for long. Spas went out of fashion, the Great Depression happened, a fire in 1926 took out many of the major hotels, other spa towns, be spa towns began to surpass Sharon Springs in their capacity for entertainment. Saratoga Springs, for example, offered horse races, larger spa facilities as well. Sharon Springs lost its place as a destination for the wealthy, never to gain back its status. Instead, it continued to draw and form new communities that is, as it always had. In the early 1900s, Sharon Springs started to attract Jewish visitors. Unlike many spa towns in the surrounding area that took up discriminatory policies, it always welcomed Jewish guests. And by the 1930s, most of the summer guests were middle and working class Jewish people. This trend continued through the 20th century. Nonetheless, the town struggled through the Depression era, unable to keep up the attraction and glamour of its turn-of-the-century iteration. The Pavilion Hotel, once a symbol of this glamour, was demolished in 1941. Sharon Springs had a brief recovery period at the tail end of World War II. The German government paid reparations to Holocaust survivors for medical treatment, and many came to Sharon Springs for rehabilitation. Once again, the town welcomed a new wave of people looking for a fresh start in the United States. In 1954, a man named Homer Spofford bought the bathhouse. The streets for a brief time once again bustled with crowds, but when the New York State Thruway opened that same year, bypassing Sharon and many other small towns, Sharon Springs began truly to fall off the map. And so, aside from a small Hasidic Jew community who continued to visit the spa every summer until 2000s, Sharon Springs shut down. And yet, somehow, something still drew people to it. Yet another string of people began to trickle in. 
I think it's the water, John Kim, assistant to the project manager at Sharon Springs, Inc., told me when I asked him what he thought the draw to the town was. Sharon Springs, Inc. is a South Korean company that is rebuilding the old bathhouses. They are spending $10 million and are set to reopen in the spring of 2018. When I talk to people around here, Kim said, it's very interesting how a lot of them have never actually used the bath, but they worked around it or they have some connection to the bath. So it feels like maybe this is out of proportion, but maybe like the Empire State Building in New York City, where everyone knows where it is. Everyone even tells their visitors and friends to go there, but they've never actually been there themselves. So it's always just there. It's the presence of the town. Perhaps it's more than just the waters themselves. Sharon Springs is perfectly tucked away in the Mohawk Valley, which is nothing short of breathtaking. And it's just the right size to create the kind of community one wants to keep coming back to, as its summer spa community once did. But the waters, which produce that rotten egg smell that sometimes permeates the town air, are what attracted the Native Americans, and then the settlers, and then the spa goers, before they all went away. Suddenly now, in 2017, Sharon Springs is humming, somewhat quietly, but nonetheless again. The bathhouses, which have sat untouched for almost 20 years, are under construction, but the bathhouses are not even the epicenter of the revitalization that is happening. For the first time, as Anthony Dow, who founded and runs the Black Cat Cafe in town, reminded me, the waters aren't everything. His cafe is busy every day, even through the winter. Doug and Garth's American Hotel is flourishing, and there is a across from the American Hotel on Main Street, Beekman 1802, that looks like it belongs on Madison Avenue and has attracted visitors from across the country. In 2006, Josh Kilmer, Purcell, and Brent Ridge were escaping the New York City summer, as they often did, to just go apple picking. They did this on weekends, each time in a new place, and for some reason, this particular summer, and despite its relative distance from New York City, a three and a half hour drive at least, they had chosen an apple orchard in Sharon Springs. They stayed at the American Hotel, which Doug and Garth, by this time, piece by piece, every summer, as they made enough money to work on some portion of it, had reopened. And they were driving up to go up, and as they were driving up to go apple picking, they saw a farmhouse for sale. It piqued their interest. Upon their return from the orchard, they mentioned it to Doug and Garth, the real estate agent in charge of the property, and this might indicate how very small Sharon Springs is, happened to be the hostess for the Sunday brunch at the American Hotel. Doug and Garth set them up with her, and she showed them around, and they fell in love with it. This was 2006. The economy was fantastic and we were in our early 30s, so the future looked bright for us, Brent said. We cashed in everything that we had ever saved, took out a huge mortgage, and bought the farm, and we were really just going to use it as a weekend place. That dream of a simple weekend escape didn't last for long. In 2008, they both lost their jobs in the recession. Suddenly, they decided they had to move, they had to find a way to make the farm sustain itself and them full time. They moved up to Sharon Springs from New York City and got to work. They started a blog to document their transition from city people to country people. After stumbling upon it, someone at Discovery reached out to them, asking if they would be interested in creating a TV show about their journey. Their story, Discovery Felt, was a relatable one, since many Americans were struggling to find new ways to adapt to the economy. The Fabulous Beekman Boys first aired on June 16, 2010, and filmed two seasons. Because of that television show and business, Beekman 1802 
that followed, people across from the country have flocked to Sharon Springs. The Beekman 1802 flagship store, the one that looks like it belongs on Madison Avenue, boasts beautiful, sweet-smelling products made from locals' goat milks, restoration hardware-esque furniture, and objects that Brent and Josh have collaborated with local artisans and artists to create. It is a testament to an altogether new chapter in the life of Sharon Springs. In Sharon Springs, history repeats itself, each time in a new hue. Doug and Garth rebuilt the American Hotel as she was in her former, former glory, but certainly according to their own taste as well. Sharon Springs, Inc. intends to recreate the bathhouses to look just as they once did from the outside, but on the inside they will be modern and inspired by Japanese and Korean-style baths. Each new project in Sharon Springs seems to pick up an old, forgotten one. Newcomers fall in love with old, dusty things, brush them off and, off and get to work restoring them for more use. Brent and Josh don't see themselves as having built their own new business from scratch. They see it as William Beekman's. He was the man who had built their farmhouse, referred to across town as the Beekman Mansion. He had the biggest merchant in he had been the biggest merchant in upstate New York in the early 19th century. We think of our mercantile not as a new business, Brent said, but as his business that was just dormant for 150 years, and then we brought new life to it. The thing that ties the story of Sharon Springs together, however, is the mysterious way in which it refuses to be forgotten. It seems to have a mind of its own, a way of attracting just the right people to just the right projects when the state of things seems most dire. Sharon Springs is the epitome of, if you can dream it, you can achieve it. Doug, who is now the mayor of the town, says, he jokes that if someone came along and wanted to start up an annual pink armadillo day there, they probably could, and the community be, and the community would probably get into it. But that ability to grow and change does not come to Sharon Springs just by virtue of it being a small town, though that is certainly part of it. Sharon Springs has some kind of magic going for it. A few years ago, Doug and Garth were showing a couple around the old building that they had bought across the street from the American Hotel. It was an old Masonic temple that they were planning to convert into a theater, but the project was on hold. They needed $20,000 to pay off their friends half of it. They were planning to donate the building to a nonprofit that they would run. It would create an unprecedented theater and arts community in the town. As they were wandering through the attic, which the Masons had left full of costumes and props and all kinds of junk, the young man they had brought there found something. Did you ever notice there's a drawing behind this, he said as he turned over an old copy of the Declaration of Independence? And Doug said, no, how Nicholas Cage national treasure. This is something he would say. So Doug peeled back the corner of the drawing and he found a signature and he immediately started leaping and shouting for joy. The drawing was by Fritz Vogt, a famous itinerant artist and a drunk who had exchanged drawings of people's houses for place to stay, mainly in the Mohawk Valley. The drawing was worth almost exactly $20,000. I thought that was a super awesome history and uh, story to tell of how Sharon Springs was once this bustling town alive with energy and then goes almost completely abandoned and then starts to get revived again. And in my mind, it, there's just no way that there couldn't be some residual energy there. And having a fairly tumultuous past, um, you know, these houses almost <laughs> dying and then coming back to life, uh, I thought that was a really interesting story to tell.
So to wrap it up, wrap it up today, I wanted to tell you about three locations in Sharon Springs that are supposedly haunted, reported to have paranormal activity. So the first one is the Old Stone Fort Museum. In 2010, Sci-Fi's Ghost Hunters failed to debunk claims of ghost sightings, footsteps on the otherwise empty second floor, screams possibly from a long-ago childbirth death, but the jury is still out on their authenticity. What's clear is that the building has had a long history from Revolutionary War Fort to Church to Civil War Armory, and that the museum collection adds even more chilling tales. One of the oldest artifacts on display at the museum, and the one that the ghost hunter crew suggested may be associated with some of the paranormal activity, is a fire engine built before the birth of George Washington. It's one of a pair brought over from England in 1731 for fighting fires in Manhattan, possibly including the Great Fire of New York of 1776, which burnt down most of the city. Almost as old are a set of miniature chests that once belonged to five-year-old twins who sought shelter within stockade walls when the fort was attacked in 1780. These tiny chests would have held all the girls' possessions as their farming family sought protection from loyalist sympathizers seeking to disrupt rebel food supplies. Strangely enough, even though they moved away when they married out, both chests made their way back to the fort independently. Children have been known to scream when they see the creepy doll that belonged to Evelyn McMahon in 1918. Kept captive in glass in a glass case on the museum's second floor, where several visitors claim they've seen or heard ghosts, it's surrounded by cabinets holding collections ranging from jeweled buttons to a gory knife collection brought back from the Philippines by Major Abram L. Haynes. The next stop is Beekman 1802. Ten minutes before closing, two women dressed in nightgowns and bonnets entered the shop and announced that she is with you. The shop attendant never saw them leave and to this day can only imagine that they were the ghosts who perished in the fire of 1911. Today, the brightly lit artisanal homeware shop made famous by Gay Green Acres, the fabulous Beekman Boys reality TV show, seems an unlikely place to find ghosts, but you never know. And lastly, we have the shop Cobbler & Co. Maureen Lode's gift shop owner since 1994 claims to have felt the presence of poltergeists, especially in the former apartment of the original owner, milliner Florence Fonda. On one occasion, a lady trying on hats had her hair yanked by an unseen presence. On another occasion, the air suddenly chilled and glasses exploded. Little girls claimed to play with invisible friends on stairs, and almost daily, lights left on are f lights left off are found on. So, friends. That wraps up our truly interesting and unexpected tour of Sharon Springs. I hope you enjoyed, enjoyed hearing about the history, the mystery, the lore, and the paranormal. And um, I have to say, I'm just so glad that I stumbled across this. And having grown up in Saratoga, I can't believe I had never heard of it before. So I, uh, I think this week's cheers should go to the town of Sharon Springs and I definitely am hoping to head out that way soon and check out all the places and yeah get a feel for the energy of the town myself so on that note cheers to Sharon Springs cheers to everyone and as always happy haunting <laughs>